0: Are you a CrossFit coach or maybe a box owner looking to learn more about nutrition? You want to help support the athletes that come to your box, maybe you have some one-on-one clients. And we all know nutrition is the foundation. We all talk about the theoretical hierarchy of the development of an athlete. And nutrition is at the base. It's like building a house. You can't build the attic first. You can't worry about performance and sport without working on the foundation, and that's what nutrition is. So maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a box owner, maybe you're just an athlete looking to potentially earn a little more income, develop a new income stream as a nutrition coach. Well, you could check out the Own Your Eating Certificate course. We review fundamental nutrition principles, as well as teaching you how to implement flexible eating, that's macro counting, and assist others with their tracking of macros. The cool thing about it is, You're going to learn so much for yourself, even if you didn't want to coach anyone else, but you simply wanted to learn more about tracking macros, you will get so much out of this course. It'll be the last thing you ever have to read, study, purchase, because you're going to get so much information, as well as sharing nutrition experience with you. Own Your Eating will also teach you how to coach others so that you can really make a difference with the people in your community and your lives. Maybe you need to finally get your mom to track macros. Maybe it's your best friend. Maybe you, you put on the quarantine 15 and you're looking to just lose a few LBs, a few pounds yourself. This will teach you all of that. And the cool thing about macros, the cool thing about the way in which we at Own Your Eating teach you is it's really sustainable. The business setup and marketing strategies are also included. So if you do really wanna make this a side deal or a side hustle, you'll you'll have all the tools you'll ever need to do. And in addition to that, if you're a level three CrossFit coach, you can earn CEUs to help you revalidate. And we also give CEUs for NASM as well as AFA. So you can check that out for me every few years. I need to re-up my L4, you know, no big deal, L4 coach, but this will help you do it. So If you're interested in learning more about the Own Your Eating Certificate course, you can go to courses.ownyoureating.com, or if you just go to ownyoureating.com, right up in the header there, it says become a coach. You can click on that. And with the code BESTHOUR, that's B-E-S-T-H-O-U-R, BESTHOUR, you'll get 15% off. Go check it out now. I was the one, along with Ross, who helped put this all together. So... I really understand that if you have questions for me about it, of course you can reach out, but I really believe in it. I've put hundreds of people through this course. It's the way I learned how to track macros. It's the way I've been tracking macros for over five years. And I think you will absolutely love it. So go check it out again, courses.ownyoureating.com and use that code best hour for 15% off. All right. Anthony, Tony, what do you prefer?
1: Either one. Obviously, everybody calls me Tony because Anthony's too many syllables for everybody. So we'll just stick to Tony.
0: It's a lot of work. I think I think names should be capped at two syllables.
1: Yeah, well, that's everybody else, I guess, because that's how it happened. I always thought to be called Anthony because father was Tony. And never wanted to be Tony, and then you know how that works. Everybody's like, no, nah, they're lazy. So then I ended up as Tony in high school. Well, that's a really Italian name too, by the way. Yeah, well, one half of me is Italian for the most part, the other half of me is as a variation of different things. So I claim that click
0: more than I claim any other ones, but for better or worse. I, I like it. But in, in Italian, you we were just talking about how you currently live in Rochester, as long as I've known you, you've lived in Rochester, yeah. but you're a New York native. Yep. Where are you from in New York?
1: So my whole family, well, my my father's side of the family is all from the city area. They all live in New Jersey now, right over the river. But uh, growing up, we're all uh, New York City, basically Bronx, Brooklyn, uh, Midtown, etc. And then um, when I was too young, really, to remember, most of them migrated to New Jersey because that's where, like, myself and my cousins were able to go to school. That wasn't, like, so chaotic public school system. And then my mother is actually from upstate, so... Uh, I just ended up up here pretty much my whole life, because I thought it was the coolest thing ever, kind of living in the sticks in, like, a really small town. Um, And then she ended up moving to Rochester. I bought a business here that migrated me to Rochester, and then kind of just got me stuck here. And I was like, this place isn't so bad. I get the city, plus I get, like, the country so I can be outside. But as you know, New York's got the Adirondacks. It doesn't really count as the outside. You get to go play in, like, the molehills, but you get Colorado now. So... Maybe one day I'll get out of
0: this place. One and place. like we were saying, there's about an eight-month period every year that's just gray. It's the worst. Yeah, it's, uh,
1: I feel like growing up it was never like that, and I feel like it just gets worse and worse every year. But I, I also think that a lot of that comes from the fact that now we have the ability to travel. So I've seen so many other things. I'm like, why am I here? I don't even have any reason to be here anymore, especially now that I no longer have the affiliate. So I'm like, I should go. I definitely should go.
0: It, it it does surprise me cuz like you said i think when you're young and you travel it's like wow this is a whole new world like i remember traveling to florida as a kid and you're like this is an annual thing i travel maybe once a year we get on a plane or we drive to cape cod now like myself you've traveled the world coaching crossfit you know specifically gymnastics and you're like why am i in rochester well you know in rochester if any listeners are from rochester we're not it's completely not the worst
1: I think it's right. a cool city. I mean, for me, I'm not a native to Rochester, so I enjoy it. And I feel like anybody who's from here, they hate it. But, um, it, you know, it's a city that gives you everything. But it's a really funny thing, travel. Like once, yeah, like you're saying, when, when you travel as a kid and you had, like, the, the annual family vacation, that's not really the same thing. But when travel becomes your identity, uh, which I think it does when you become seminar staff where, like, your whole life is this transient mess of hotel rooms and, and airplane lounges, Um, it really changed your perspective on pretty much everything especially like why do I choose to be the person that I am in the place that I'm at when like the whole world realistically is is possible and I think that that becomes like a very different sort of eye-opening experience and that doesn't happen unless you're like you know I'm going to become a travel blogger you're going to commit to this identity of being a traveler and we were just lucky enough that someone was like hey, you're kind of cool. Would you like to go teach other cool people to continue to be cool? And we'll like send you all over the place. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that seems cool. Um, and that's kind of like how it happens. And, and then it just, it changes you forever. I don't think that I'd be even remotely the person I am today had I not been dropped in foreign locations and told to navigate public transportation without understanding the language and being like, show up to a room full of people who don't even speak your language, but I guarantee you by the end of the day, they're your best friend. I'll be like, right you're
0: full <laughs> uh, but it works it happens to all of us do do you miss the travel right now i assume you're not traveling as yeah, much um, the, the gymnastics seminars changed i had chuck on recently and yeah. we talked about that but do you miss it
1: dude i miss it so much it's funny like you know what it's like like travel when when you have to travel you're like uh oh, gun on the weekend pack the bag up like for me, I'm so methodical. Like it's the same bag, the same pack, like whatever. And uh, to have that stripped from you, you know, against your will, is a very strange thing. At first, I was like, okay, this is cool. But then the, the reality of of it setting in that you're like, not only are you not going, but like you can't go. And then again, back to that identity thing. When travel is a part of your identity, there's this whole. You know, I've got to, like, like, reinvent myself. Um, And so, yeah, it's been really hard. It's actually been increasingly harder. I feel like most things get easier with time. This seems to get worse with time. Um, Like, in the last, like, two months, I've been like, get me out of here. And it does also help that, like, four seminars that were like, okay, we're going to go. All of a sudden, like, the last minute, we're like, okay, no. (laughs) They get shut back down again. And so... Were they going to
0: be uh, local or were you going to travel for them? There were
1: travel, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, New York was the first state to get like crushed with COVID. So once we got under control, I think that like I was like, okay, we're gonna go. But then everybody else was like, we see you, in New York. We're gonna raise you one. And then now I'm like, okay, cool. So now we're back to square one again. So I don't know. Uh, it's been hard, but it's it's actually been really good for me. I think um, I'm not a person who sits still very well. So. Uh, being forced to sit still, it's allowed me to really reprioritize a lot of projects that I think got pushed off. Um, and it really forced me to put like, me as a person first, as opposed to like all these like, extrinsic identities first. And so it allowed me to work on a lot of my own stuff. Uh, it really let me embrace and appreciate the stuff that I have at my disposal, my family, my friends, things that like, when you travel every weekend, you're like, yeah, mom, I'll get, I'll get to you sooner or later, but. I've spent a lot of time with family. I've camped more this year than I've probably camped in the last 10 years. So it's all been good. Life's good. I try to be as positive as possible about it, but I would really like to get the hell out of here. So fingers crossed. I'm teaching in, in Anchorage at the end of the month. So we'll see how
0: that goes. You're going to Alaska, huh, for a yeah. gymnastic seminar? That's, how did you get that from New York? There's a couple of people Maybe- closer to Alaska. I pulled rank, bro. I've been
1: doing this for a decade, so, you know, I get to decide. But, no, realistically, (laughs) I just – I had set it up. It's my favorite place on the planet, so I want to go back up there. And then uh, we just try to – we try to prioritize it based on schedule, but there is no such thing as a schedule now. So it was supposed to be much earlier in the year, and then got pushed back, pushed back. So it was supposed to originally go – I was going to be gone the entire month of May on one long – Flight basically, but I had Hawaii in there, then Alaska and Mexico, so I was just gonna kind of do this big loop, and then they all got broken apart. So now it's like literally just Alaska, and, and, so
0: you know. And, and being on seminar staff, I'm sure you hear it on, on your staff as well. People are always like, Oh, that's so great! You get to travel, travel is fun, but it's also exhausting, and you know, it hurts, at, it, it hurts right? Like you said, and at least for me. I would say 99% of my seminars, it's like, you're in, you're out. I'm not once in a while when I was in like Dubai or Greece, like a foreign country, I might stick around for a day, Yeah. you know, but it's, it's exhausting. And, and like you said, you have so much more time because people think you only work the weekend, but you're really giving up Friday Mm -hmm. traveling, sometimes Monday, or if you do get home on a Sunday night, you're just, especially you guys, like, we have a team of three to five, six, depending on the seminar. So there's a lot of gymnastics seminars where you're, like, the only person. You're giving a crazy amount of energy yeah. to these guys.
1: The, the multitude of them, I think most of them are, are solitary endeavors. I mean, we always – we try to – if there's a handful of people, we have an assistant, but – I just
0: had uh, Drew Zaro
1: on. Oh, did, yeah. Uh, but even then, like, they don't really talk, right? So it's 16 hours listening to my own voice, which – is very exhausting but yeah it's painful right like people don't really get it like they're like oh you have a dream job and don't get me wrong it is 1000 percent a dream job but um, like anything it is a labor of love for sure like you're saying it's a weekend gig but it's you know it's a Thursday Friday ramp up God forbid you have to jump a few time zones then it's a Monday Tuesday ramp down next thing you know you're repacking the bag so like you just end up with all these travel hacks. Like, I literally just take my packs bag to the launderer. They launder it and repack it for me, and then that's just my go pack, and I just go. Um, Look at well, you I, all
0: fancy, dropping your bag
1: yeah, bag off. I kind of had to. My life was so hectic for a long time that, like, it was just – it didn't make sense. I always try to hack everything and systemize everything as much as possible. But, yeah, it's, like, it's painful. Like, people don't get it. They're like, oh, it must be great. I'm like, well, it is great. To travel the world on effectively someone else's dime is absolutely – a blessing, but at the same time, like, I've I've always joked that, like, smoking, right, so people smoked in the doctor's office, and for years, and then, like, 30 years later, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe this is bad, I I solely believe that in, like, 20 years, people are going to come out and be like, yeah, so airplane travel, frequent airplane travel, probably was a bad thing, we shouldn't have been doing it as much as we did, because as somebody who has traveled weekend after weekend and knows what, like, ideal feels like, that shit is hard on you. That airplane okay. destroys you.
0: I think they're already finding that. There's those books on sleep. I remember yeah. a couple of years ago, book a book, I forget which book it was, but um, like 10 seminar staff people text me. Like, you know, and it's so many little, it's it, it, yeah. It, yeah, it's like the time zones, You there's like studies that show when you're sleeping in a different bed, you don't get it. Even if you're in bed for eight hours, you don't, I'd never get a good night's sleep on a Friday night because no. you have to get up super early on Saturday.
1: for the participants, and you want to be on. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's brutal. How many um seminars would you say you've worked over the last ten years? Um, I have the number somewhere. I know that
0: I'm. I'm pretty sure it's just a little over two hundred. That's about where where I am for seminar staff. So, you you owned your affiliate in Rochester. Mm-hmm. How did you get day. linked up with, what's that? For about 10 years, I did. Yeah, so you had sold it before COVID, though, right?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, so March of last year was the end uh, of an era, uh, per se, of paradigm, and then um, kind of left me semi purgatory. and I thought that, <laughs> I thought that I was, we could talk more about this, but I thought that I was like, you know what, I'm going to kind of be done with, with fitness in general, because like, I was like, maybe it's time to reinvent a new chapter of my life, and then I couldn't leave i just i as most of us learn like you belong here and you don't get out um and so i just crafted a new place where i was at and in in this world and i like it a lot better but yeah so the story with me and tgc was um forever ago um you know tucker when i was starting what was at the time my gym um uh his his place basically or his affiliate was gsx right yeah um, they were going to franchise uh, or at least he wanted to franchise and so he had done gymnastics and crossfit and i was big in gymnastics and crossfit so i was like yeah i'll do the same thing and so that led to the mutual conversation of of that and then it never panned out for franchise purposes of course so i started my own company and that was right around the same time that the gymnastics course started becoming a thing and uh, basically he was like hey I need some help, you want to be involved kind of thing. And then I bugged him a lot about it. He bugged me a lot about it. But the affiliate kind of took off. Didn't really get to kind of uh, start right away. But then it literally was one of those things where, like, you get tapped on the shoulder, and next thing you know, you're just going. Regionally at first, and then um, finally I was like, yeah, let me help with the business things, and then it just blew up. Um, and that's kind of where it ended up. And then fast forward, I was like, wow, time flies. It's been like 10 years. Uh, I can't even actually it makes me feel painfully old to say that out loud that I'm gonna be 40 this year
0: 40 you know I was freaking out at 30 40 is awesome because you know you've got your shit pretty much together maybe you have some money in the bank you're probably fitter than any of your 40 year old friends I mean of course the ones you know from like high school college era and you know their wives are looking at you like oh why isn't my husband like Tony, you know, like, so right. you, you got your life together at 40, 30, I was a mess still. So I I'm enjoying it. Yeah. When, when, when you were thinking about leaving, what were you going to do? You said you're going to leave fitness altogether.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think I would have ever gotten that far from fitness, but I felt like I had, you know, as somebody who is entrepreneurial spirit, I've always been able to reinvent myself. Right. So um, I thought perhaps maybe it was time to get into something different I was like I don't really know what that was going to be but I was like I'll just buy a business here or there um, and you know and flip those because I have a lot of fun with small businesses and then um, so I took some time off from TGC a couple of months and then I missed that profoundly I didn't have the affiliate anymore I missed that profoundly but what I noticed was that something that I was forever indebted to for truly changing my life literally saving my life which was CrossFit I felt disconnected from the conversation and uh, for me as a person I just I wasn't okay with that Um, and so I went back on the road that felt very good because you know the weekends very much recharged my battery but I still felt like I was I was missing something um, in terms of I wasn't giving back to the community that that helped me so much so that's kind of when I decided that I was going to come back into the into fitness world. And that's when fit affiliate was kind of born, um, kind of out of necessity. And then I basically tagged Chuck and I was like, listen, you're doing this with me. Cause he and I had talked about it for a long time. And then that put me back in a different place in the affiliate community. And what I consider to be a much more fitting place for me, cause I, I truly appreciate the affiliate, <laughs> the affiliate owners more than I necessarily appreciate the CrossFitter. Um, because I think that like affiliate owners are some of the coolest people on the planet, um, and they needed to be protected, and I feel like we had an obligation there, and that's kind of, so that dragged me back, but I don't really know what I was going to do after that, but I, I had this confidence that I'd figure it out, but as these things go, like they were like, nah, you're coming back, because we still need help, and I was like, I got you, and that's really what ended up happening.
0: You know, I think when you find your true calling, and you find something, t- 10 years of, of all that we've done, you have to be pretty passionate about it for sure. Otherwise, you know, you're going to burn out and we probably both battled spurts of burnout, but the fact that we never left shows that we truly just still care about it.
1: I mean, coaching is so all encompassing, right? So is somebody who gets into coaching, it can't change. It can't not change you. Right. So somebody who's been a coach for 20 years, um, the moment you, you are involved in, in the development or the improvement of someone's life, like, it's impossible to turn away from that to a degree, and I don't think that once you become a coach, I don't think you ever stop becoming a coach. But as you know, as someone who's a higher level coach, the coaching conversation just changes. In the beginning, it's a, you know it's about a skill here or there, you know, an air squat here or there. But as as time goes on, the conversation just evolves and evolves, and and the audience becomes a little bit more smaller, um, I think, and then but a lot more important. And I think that that's really what it becomes. And I've always said that the greatest accomplishment in any coach's life is the creation of another coach. And I think that that's what led me mostly to loving the seminar more than even my affiliate, but also the reason why kind of affiliate was born is because it's, it's a legacy thing, right? Like, you know, that as a coach, you'll leave a legacy because you're going to leave a life better than you found it. Anytime this person comes in contact with you, I know that I'm going to make their life, you know, better, but realistically I can only do that so many times it can only be replicated you know Dunbar's number says 150 Um, and so for me it was always a leverage thing I was like I want to build coaches because then they can all have 150 and then my conversation becomes bigger and then I was like seminar staff is the best place to do that because it's thousands of humans and so part of me you know loves to know that you know there's thousands of people that I've come in contact with that played a small role and their development and because of that like their communities are ultimately better and i think that that's why i've always liked them a little bit more uh, you know i've liked that role i've taken that role a little bit more seriously than the role of, of just being a coach but i think coaching just evolves right like if you look at the community at large all of us all of you guys we've all ascended from you know frontline coaches into affiliate owners and then into like some other various niche like you with, with all the things that you've got going on you with affiliate like it becomes this upper level conversation coaches just always move up but they never stop coaching um they just coach different audiences and i think that that's the fun part to watch just the conversation changes
0: it's true it's um I mean, coaching is especially has evolved for you and i over the last 10 15 i mean when you opened your box and i opened my first box the world of fitness and CrossFit was a completely different place than it is right now. I mean, me now would be laughing and critiquing my old coaching self so badly, right? Would you?
1: I laugh at that so much.
0: What, what, what are some of the biggest improvements you think you've made as a coach?
1: Oh God, elegance for sure. I mean, the single, the single most important thing that I think, that I've learned over the years and the thing that I try to teach everybody is that, you know, obfuscation is, is the, is the mark of the novice. And what, in the beginning, you feel like you have to be this over-involved sort of overcomplicated, super sciency, like you got to get it. But like, coaching is simple, right? It's just literally just, be relentless, make an impact, and, and, you know, and appreciate that responsibility. You don't have to be overcomplicated. So for me, it's absolutely, you know, just appreciating the elegance that all humans move ultimately the same, and you can make those changes relatively easily. But aside from that, elegance and patience are probably the two. Like, I think that when I started, and you can probably agree, like, I don't know as though anybody knew how long CrossFit was going to last or like what we were going to do for how long or, you know, what this was going to be. So, like, I felt like I had to get everything done at once. And now knowing, you know, people are going to do this the rest of their life, uh, being able to slow down and just kind of relax a little bit. I think I wish I could go back 10 years ago and be like, calm the fuck down, uh, but that's that's probably those are two main ones for me for sure. But yeah, we're a long ways away from you know you and those racquetball courts in Crosswood Albany for sure.
0: When was the first time you were there? Oh, god, uh,
1: I was for it wasn't for regionals, it was before when the parking lot of dreams scenario.
0: Um, <laughs> I've never heard it referred to as that. I like it.
1: Yeah. Um, man, I, I feel like it was for an event, but I know that so many of the reasons I ended up out there was events. So I don't think, I don't know if I just had dropped in because um, I had done that once or twice, but I don't remember. But it was, it had to have been 2010, nine ish, I think. I don't really know when the timeline is, but it was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. I think I ran the first regional. 2009 but we had a big event in 2008 but that might have been before you that was like the first ever competition other than the CrossFit Games people don't give me enough credit for that
1: I remember that yeah no I I do I, I actually was at that event so I think that might have been the first time that I was there I think that was that 2008
0: yeah that was May of 2008 we basically mimicked the 2007 CrossFit Games we had a total a 5k run and then a terrible chipper workout at the
1: end admittedly i am terrible at figuring out what the timeline is like i try to coordinate like who won the games the year i did something because that's like the only real reason a way i can remember like what year it happened because like like how long you done cross before i'm like i don't know like seven or eight years and i'm like oh shit it was 2006 never mind um and then that's always the joke at the seminar for me i'm like you know, I've been doing crossfit for basically ever, uh, but I've done nothing cool, like make it to the games. Like every weekend it's the same joke and everybody laughs. I'm like, I should have went in 09 when all I had to do was book a plane ticket. Oh
0: man, I t- we have the same jokes.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's I think everybody good. that's that's been like moderately fit for 15 years has the, the same jokes. And you know, then it's it's funny because it's like a comedian, right? Like I'm sure, especially you, I don't talk as much as you, none of us do on some we have okay. one or two lectures a day, a few breakout groups. But you guys on the gymnastics course, which, by the way, TGC, you said earlier, in case I went over anybody's head. Um, you guys are talking for like eight hours straight. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, yeah. It's, oh. it, it's impressive. But you need to have the joke. You know the jokes that are – isn't it funny yeah. it's like a comedian? Because I know that I'll, I'll say something during my lecture, and if it goes well, I'll be like, okay, how can I make that better? What can I do differently about that joke? Or if it bombs, I like think back, okay, what did I, you know, really, it's, it's fun. And I'll tell you what, hopefully my wife can't hear me, but we were on a course last night for pregnancy huh. and the instructor, I don't want to say what company or who it was, but the instructor was the worst public oh, speaker. Oh, and when you public speak for a living, you cling to these things. They it's like driving needles in your ears and eyes. And it was, yeah. it was just, I, I appreciated what we were learning. I know it was important, but I couldn't stand listening to it.
1: Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> that's, it's funny you bring this up because it is always the joke um, with like all the assistants. Because we do, it's a, hilarious to think about. Cause I don't really ever think about the volume of time that we speak because you just kind of blink and it's over. Uh, but to think that like I do talk for 16 hours straight in a weekend is hilarious um, and stressing me out. to Actually, think about. But so we have only like a handful of assistants that we rotate, but they don't see us all the time, and it can be you know a long, like a year, two years in between me seeing something. Just the same with you guys, and it's it's always funny because they stand in the back of the room and they know the joke that's coming before the joke that's coming because they'll be in the back of the room like there it is. And I'm like, shut up. Don't ruin it. I can't break it. Like, I don't want to say that the course is rehearsed, but you know, you could, you could basically blindfold me and put me in a corner and I could teach that whole course and tell you who's doing what wrong, what's going to go wrong um, before the course even happens. Cause you've just done it so many times that like, I don't mean to teach and say and use the same jokes, but they just become anchor points right like they are just there and and they work right like let's be honest if it keeps getting a laugh i'm gonna keep using it like it's yeah just, i'm not i'm not gonna recycle it. i'll try to improve it here or there but you're 100 spot on when you say that like when you experience a terrible public speaker it's awful like and i don't even consider like i don't consider myself a public speaker um but i absolutely obviously am one and so i guess i've adapted or, or at least evolve the skill set to some degree. I don't think that I'm great at it, but like when you see something's bad at them, I'm like, please don't let me ever be that person. Like, I hope that's not me. And so that's why I think we all stay up so late on Friday nights, crafting it, rehearsing it, doing whatever, because we are like, oh God, don't let me be that person. And,
0: And for anyone listening, all you have to do to improve as a public speaker is slow down and get rid of as many what's the term, Uh, fallback words, or I forget the term that we use for it, but the ums and likes and uhs, if you can, and and you can accomplish that by slowing down what you're saying.
1: Yeah, slow down and listen are the two most important things that I think you can do, especially when you're an interactive speaker, where like you can rely on somebody's responses and questions, so that allows you to collect your thoughts You already know what the questions are going to be, so it's not even a matter of of having to hear the question to be present for it, because you can be. You'll always be able to answer it. Those two things have helped me immensely, because you're right. When you do get into this, you're like, got your notepad, you're like, and you just want to like rip through it. Uh, I'll I'll never forget uh, one of my funniest moments in a seminar was, uh, God, I don't know how long it had been, but I hadn't taught that many times, probably. Maybe 10 courses, 15 courses, but I still lived off the notes. Um, And I know you guys live off notes because you're you're kind of always changing things. But for us, not much changes. So my computer always housed all my notes. And so I'm in the middle of this seminar and I was in Kentucky. I'll never forget it. And my computer crashes. And like shuts down. I was like, battery's dead. Everybody go get a drink. So I put my computer in. It's not turning back on. Like nothing's working. I can't get it turned back on. It's done. Blue screen of death. And here I am. I'm like 45 minutes into the second half of day one. And I'm wiped out and I'm at the whiteboard for a lecture and I'll never forget feeling so just like, I must've been so stone faced white. And he would thought that I had never taught before. And I was like, we're going to have to just do it. We're just going to have to wing it. Uh, and as soon as I got past the anxiety, everything was fine. It didn't even matter. And I never used the computer again after that, which was funny. But I considered, I was like, we're going to have to cancel the seminar. Like, we're going to have to send everybody home. <laughs> we're going to have to go home and I'm going to have to bring them all back. we to have to extend Sunday because I can't do it without my notes because I had
0: lived by those notes. And then I was like,
1: oh, yeah, you've done it enough times. It's fine.
0: Um, the, the very first lecture I ever gave at a level one. So at the level one set, the press lectures, the first lecture you give. You know, it's the first lecture, uh, the second half of day one. And I had notes of exactly what I wanted to say. I didn't work out because I was studying during lunch break and I was getting ready to go up and Austin Maliola was there. He took the piece of paper and ripped it up and he says, go do the lecture. Huh. And I was fine. And I'm, I'm glad he did that because I never attempted to bring up a piece of paper ever again. and And even to this day, it's been yeah. four or five months since I've taught. Once I start, like you mentioned earlier, you have the whether it's the jokes or your kind of pivot points. I can run through any lecture on time without missing anything. Uh, it's just practice.
1: Yeah, like well, I haven't taught since Maryland actually in March, March eighth and ninth, I think it was, was the last time that I had actually taught a seminar live. So the idea of teaching a seminar, it can be like a week or two. And I convince myself all the time, like, I don't know what to do anymore. So now it's been like six months and I was like, oh, am I going to still know what to do? And I will, I guarantee you that Friday night if I do go teach in Alaska will be the most anxiety ridden moment of my entire life. i probably won't sleep at all. I'll get up Saturday morning terrified because it's so important to show up. You've got a room full of strangers who, you know, demand excellence from you or at least deserve excellence from you. And so you just don't want to fail them. And you, you blink and you're like, oh, it's Sunday afternoon. I'm going to catch my flight home. It's just, it, you, well, know, and
0: you, you get it. They, one, one of my pet peeves as well when listening to either lecturers or even a coach on the, any, any gym floor is when they're coaching and they, say, they, they mess something up or they teach out of order and they tell everybody how they messed up. And I always tell them, no one knows yeah. that. Yeah, just keep going or fix it without saying something. Yeah. I, and it's yeah. the same thing for you. No one knows in Alaska, you know, oh, he's teaching, you know, this and he should be teaching that. Or, you know, he did the wrong spot. For sure. Yeah, you guys always
1: always say the same thing. Like, I don't know how you could teach for 16 hours because we have a team. But it's that exact reason why it's almost easier to be by yourself because there's never – you don't ever nobody knows like when you screw up the whole thing, just go with it. Just that's who you, no, the whole thing. No, when feedback guys, yeah. When you guys screw up and you're like, I oh, sorry, I ruined your segment too. Like we ran over, like whatever. So you have a different obligation there than I think that we have. But for us it's yeah, if I screw it up, I'm like, well, it's a new concert. I guess we're just gonna sing a new song this weekend. I don't I don't really know. Uh, question what when people <laughs> this is always funny to me i love to ask seminar people when you meet somebody in airport otherwise and they won't leave you alone because that always happens what do you tell them you do
0: like a random stranger you mean like, yeah. if
1: they're, like they're like oh are you, where are you headed and you're I'm here for work and they're
0: like oh what do you do well first of all i as soon as i walk past security oftentimes before security i have my bose headphones on like exactly. right now i'm wearing my earbuds but people don't realize you're wearing earbuds Right, so they'll start talking to you. I'll have my Bose headphones on, whether the music is on or off. So that significantly reduces the number of people that ask me questions. But then I also managed to put like a very mean looking puss on my face In New York. So, stuff. yeah, I try to just eliminate and it. And then, like you said, I, I hang in the lounges until I have to go. But inevitably, if someone says something, I'm just like fitness, you know, this day and age, if somebody. Although I haven't traveled since everything happened in the CrossFit world. Yeah. You know, you don't, if you say CrossFit, I teach CrossFit, they kind of understand a little bit. Yeah. Now you get a look of like, oh, CrossFit, eh? But <laughs> that's it. I mean, A, I try to avoid it. And B, I just, I give them as short an answer as possible. So it doesn't create a long conversation.
1: Inevitably, anytime someone finds, so my answer is public speaker. Is what
0: I tell. Oh, that's what you speaker. say. Yeah. But then you're going to get, what do you talk about? Yeah, but see, you know
1: what? They don't really, because everybody's so fucking terrified of public speaking, they don't actually even want to know. They're like, mm, that's you must be a special kind of human to be able to do that. So I found that, like, when I tell them public speaking, basically they are like, oh, what do you speak on? It's professional development. I just try to give them as many ambiguous answers as possible to get them to stop. But it's always funny to me what people, because if you tell them fitness, and then I got to hear about how they worked out once. Like, and then I got to hear, and I'm like, listen, I don't, I'm not, you don't need to be my client. Like, it's fine. So every time I ever talked about fitness, it was always, and so I always love asking the seminar staff, what do you tell people you do? Because it's not an elevator pitch, right? It's impossible to explain to somebody how you get to get on a plane and fly around the world to teach a room full of strangers in you know, a country like Africa about fitness. They're like, wait a minute, they, well, yep, believe it or not, there's gyms there and they care. And people are like, and then it ends up in this huge, I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. public speaker, professional development. I got to go get a drink now. And then I'm out. <laughs> uh, what's but yeah, your, lounges, lounges save your life for
0: sure. I, I should you must travel through Atlanta a decent amount. That's, I was doing that a lot in Florida. They got the great Delta lounges. What's your, what's your favorite lounge?
1: Ooh, I mean, well, all the Amex Centurion lounges are super dope.
0: At, uh, yeah. Yeah. I got the platinum card just yeah. so I get in those lounges.
1: Those are always great, but my two favorite lounges are JFK's because they've got the rooftop lounge and uh, Atlanta because they also have the rooftop mezzanine lounges where you could be outside. Like, when you come home on, like, a flight from Europe, nothing is better than just being able to walk outside without having to leave the airport. So though, for those reasons,
0: because I always fly internationally out of JFK in Atlanta,
1: um, and so those two are my favorite lounges, for sure. And, and, if, and,
0: if, and if you've had uh, the ones with a shower in there, I've had a yeah. shower, manicure, massage. I shower every
1: transatlantic flight, every single time. You don't understand what it's like until you've done it once. You get off that plane, you shower. Jet lag doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, it feels so know. much better. Oh, it's like that is a hack for sure that people just don't understand. Most people are like, wait, there's a shower in there? Yeah, and free drinks. Not that I drink, but there's drinks in there. So you can go in there and get free drinks and shower for free. So, like, when you take and- somebody – europe you're like take a shower they're like Wow, oh, that was great and decent coffee too yeah and it's free yeah right? the, food's, the food's free you can eat relatively well in those at least in the delta lounges like i said i fly only delta for the most part if i can get away with it but
0: um and their the delta the delta lounge one of them i forget which one in atlanta basically has like a chipotle bar yeah it'll be yeah, like they- you know dice up chicken white rice guac
1: yeah, they always, and then you go in like the American lounges, and no offense to anybody who loves American and anybody who works for American, thank you, but like their lounges are from the 70s, the airplanes are from the 70s, and like, you guys gonna evolve this company or are you just gonna let it die off slowly? Like, what is the plan here? What is your forward, of, you know, your forward objective with the company? Because it looks to me like we're just waiting to die off like a dinosaur. I can't figure out. they changing uniforms and they're updating menus, they're testing things, they got new protocols. I'm like, as somebody who's a business developer, I'm like, I like this. I get on the American. I'm like, how are you guys even still a thing? It doesn't even make any sense. Is this, plane is this airworthy
0: or are we going down to get Yeah. This seat is actually on a forward incline. Like, yeah, this right? is uncomfortable. You, is something you said earlier when you are dropping off your laundry is mm-hmm. you like to hack everything. What are, what are some of your best life hacks that you can help the listeners out with?
1: Oh, God. I mean, life hacks are, that's, well, first of all, I don't like the word. I used it and I shouldn't have used it because everybody's now obsessed with it. Tim Ferriss has everybody obsessed with life hacking. I just personally feel like if if something replicates in my life on more than one occasion, it's worth innovation. Uh, And so I just refuse to leave anything unoptimized. And so I don't really probably have something that I would consider like an optimal hack, but Any pattern that replicates itself in my life, I know can be improved upon, and and I think it's probably a fitness relative thing where once you quantify something, then it has to become improved, and so when I notice something is there more than once, everything just gets improved. So it really doesn't, I don't have anything that I do particularly uh, more valuable than the next, but yeah, there's like lots of little things where my life just basically, like dumb little things like having things like this to fold your clothes so it only takes you like two seconds, which is a perfect... What is that thing? It's a folding board, so all of my shirts are perfectly square. Uh, You know, little things, because I got to fold my laundry, right? So I take the laundromat, they fold it for me, but sometimes they don't do a very good job, so I refold it. Um, And that makes my life go a lot faster. But again, if if, if... I don't think I have one thing that I would tell anybody would change their life, but I would tell them that if there was... Anything that has a replication in your life, that can be improved upon. So just find a way to do it. If that's food, it's food. Like, I eat the same thing every single day. Uh,
0: every day? Like, e- without a deviation? No, I see.
1: Like, so I eat Monday through Friday. It's the exact same meal for lunch and dinner because I don't really eat breakfast. My eating window is just really small because it's just better that way. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I kind of either will eat whatever's left from the food that I have Monday through Friday or I'll s- – I just go ham sandwich on some shit. I just eat everything but those are my days off but Monday through Friday for me are very rigid days um I do well, what are your what, what's your lunch and dinner um it's boring dude i so it either rotates between ground turkey or ground beef so currently for the last four months it's been ground beef so it's 90 it's 96 for lean ground beef um and then a whole package of steamed broccoli and then I found this stuff called tomb, which is like a garlic paste that you can get from, like, Lebanese restaurants. And I found out how to make it, which is basically like a million heads of garlic and some, some oil. So I make that. So it's literally just ground beef with some, some vinegar and some, some salt and pepper, a whole bag of steamable ground beef from Wegmans. And then... Broccoli. Steamable broccoli. Yeah, uh, steamable broccoli and then uh, a tablespoon of the, this tomb sauce, which is pretty much it. And that's lunch and...
0: So, you eat that 10 times
1: a week? Yeah. And that's it. I basically, yeah, like 15 pounds of ground beef in a week. And then that's and, it. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I eat pretty much everything else. That's and it's not because of the macros. It really, I mean, it does actually hit my max. That's how it came about. But it's literally just the structure allows me the flexibility and other things because everything in my life is about freedom. So, it has to create freedom someplace else. So thinking about food and creating food and making food and deciding on food just took up too much time. So I was like, I'm going to eat the same things so then I can do other shit. That's more fun. Uh, cause food's really fun. Like if you want to go get food, I'm, I'm down. Like we can go crush some pizzas and whatever, but cause that's a thing to do. But in terms of like sustenance and, and routine, like I'm going to make that as systemized as possible. So I don't have to allocate any bandwidth
0: to it. No, that's That's, Really fascinating, and a lot of people. Seth Godin is one of the people that I've heard say something similar as far as breakfast, like have the same breakfast, and you know the people, the Zuckerbergs and the Steve Jobs of the worlds, where they would wear the same T-shirt, day in and day out. So what? Come on, give me some more. This is good. I'm fascinated.
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, I don't really. There's not like any. It's not like I have like post-it notes around my my house and I do the same things. But I mean, I get up and I do so. I'm the most, I'm the laziest person you'll ever meet, period. But I'm a constructively lazy human. So I know that there's things that, that to be a productive member of society that need to get done. So if I don't create systems for them, I won't, they won't become part of my routines and I just won't do them because I'm lazy and I'll procrastinate. So it's got to get built into like a system. So from the moment that I wake up, which is at the same time pretty much every day. What time? Like 7.30 in the morning. Um, slightly earlier when the dogs are here if they're not at the lake with grandma but 7.30 in the morning uh, and then it's the same thing and it's pretty much three, two, one, go it's like a rush so it's, it's out of bed straight to the, straight to the kitchen while the coffee is getting made uh, then I kind of toil around get some other stuff done but everything in the, in the every, it makes me sound like a weird sort of rainy. I don't know if I
0: like saying this stuff out loud but while the coffee is getting made it makes you sound like someone that has stayed single until they're 40 years old
1: yeah, that's me, bro. That is 100% me. Uh, but yeah, I make the coffee, then I mist the plants. Uh, then I go for misting the plants, and I make the bed, and then once the bed is made, I can open the windows, and once the windows are open, uh, yeah. So you can see how this goes. And then once the coffee's done, I grab the coffee, I grab my book, and then I read 10 pages uh, minimum. So, um, and I've been able to do that for like 267 days straight so far. I haven't broke 10 pages yet. So,
0: so this is a new. This is a relatively new system for you?
1: Um, Yeah I mean the system has always been the same the things that get added to it get they get a little bit more and more involved like plants were not a part of my life until COVID now I got like you can see it but I got basically I got a garden back here in in my house so I have all these things so little things get added to it to make me feel a little bit more productive but um, yeah so everything pretty much from that point forward and then uh, and then I work out because I have to, that's got to be, like, the first things that happen is, like, 9 o'clock in the, t- in the morning. I usually work out for only 30 minutes. And then at 10 o'clock, meetings start for me, and then I take client calls from basically 10 in the morning, um, and then I am 100% present to a stranger or my client until about 5.30 at night, and then I eat again, and then then I do something personal, like hang out or read or watch something else. But, yeah, there's everything – everything in my life, all of my, all of the computer programs are all zapped together so that they work on their own. So I don't have to like, like emails and inboxes, they all kind of coordinate. So I don't have to overlap them. Cause if I do, then I'll forget them because I'm lazy. I know I'm lazy. So I just try to remove as many variables as possible from my life. So I just know that things get done. Like every day there's a checklist. So I work through that checklist and then I can look back and be like, Did all these things important get done today? Great, because if I don't, at the end of the day, I'll look back and be like, I didn't get anything done today. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. So it helps me. There's not really a bunch of them that I would consider hacks, but that's just because they they have become subconscious to me. So I can't really think of them on the fly and be like, yeah. I mean, dumb little things. Like, best thing you can ever buy, packing cubes. Definitely got to have these. Um,
0: Why do you have all these things just around you? You've not had to reach for to get any um, of your things.
1: So for one, this is a big desk. Um, But two, I'm I'm leaving town this weekend. I've got to go to my sister's house, so about to start packing. That's also why those noise-canceling headphones are here. Um, And so, yeah, everything is just kind of – but lots of little things. I think everything becomes a matter of efficiency for me.
0: Yeah, when I was working every weekend like you, it was just like, okay, dirty clothes out. Next set in, you know, Sunday night, so I'm ready to go again. I like it. Lots of efficiency. What, what book are you currently in?
1: Um, I'm actually rereading, again, for probably the third time, E-Myth. Uh, at the same time, I'm also rereading um, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I haven't read that in, like, probably 15 years. And I find it more fascinating now than I did the first time I read it. When I think everybody that's ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like, oh, it's the most important book ever. But you reread it, and you're like, Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a little bit more relative as a 40-year-old, I think, than it was as a 20-year-old. So uh, those are just kind of rereads. I haven't – I've been looking for a new good book, but I've, I'm always obsessed with habit and behavioral books. So I've read pretty much all of them and usually will reread them or leadership books because those usually just deal with human behavior and habit forming. And those
0: things fascinate me the most. But
1: um, those are kind of the two that I read the most. What are you reading currently?
0: I'm in the middle of Hamilton you know, the mm. biography, I watched yeah. that. And then I'm, I've always got like a bunch of books just going on my Kindle, you know. Yeah. But um, that's kind of my main focus right now. I think something you would like, speaking of hacking, have you, have you heard of Blinkist?
1: hmm I haven't so read
0: you, it. No, 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 no. no, not no, the no. App, you mean. Yeah, the app Blinkist, yeah. not the book. Um, I like that. And then that kind of, for example, there's a book by James Nestor called Breath. And I've seen a lot of people post about it. My buddy Bill from Between the Years just posted about it today. And I listened to the Blinkist, and I texted him. I was like, "Hey, what are your big takeaways?" And He's like, "You don't have to read the book." So, you know, speaking of hacking, I mean, save yourself like a few notes, hours. Right?
1: That's what they, who was it just listening to something?
0: Oh, I think it was on
1: like the Bigger Pockets podcast. They brought up Blinkist. Um, yeah, podcast where they were talking about it. And it's, yeah, it's like cliff notes of like all the books without necessarily having to read them or something like that
0: exactly and uh, you know and then, and if i really enjoy the blinkist then i then i might you know download the book or or purchase it or find it somewhere but it helps me kind of determine that i think what you're basically saying is you have a really solid morning routine that sets you up for success over the course of the day I'm concerned that you can never live with another human being ever again. (laughs) Um, Listen, I
1: mean, the reason that I do all the things that I do is it affords me the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I think that that's when I say it out loud, it does necessarily sound a little bit more rigid and a little bit more OCD than it is. But I just know that for me, the most important thing is that I, I need to generate freedom and not freedom. Like I want to be lazy, but freedom for me means the capability, the capacity to help when asked to help. And that can mean show up for a relationship. That can mean, you know, provide a dollar when needed. That means, you know, coach somebody when they need to be coached. And for me, if, if, if I, my life is, is in disarray, I can't help as much as I could otherwise, because I'm focused on whatever's broken in my life. If, if I'm broke. I can't help because I can't give you a dollar. If I have to go to work, I can't be present when you need me because I have to be there. And so for me, everything is about freedom and, and getting myself to a point where I can be the most available to help. And so I create these routines, not because like, I want to be like OCD and everything's got to be flat, but it's because if there is consistency in all things, then I can be more present in the one thing that is asked asked me at that time. And, and that's something that I've just learned over the course of the, really the last 10 years. Like when I turned 30, my life was a shit show. Um, and then my 30s has been like a consistent development of get better, get better, get better. And most of that get better is, you know, be able to show up better, um, you know, cause I wanted to be more present. I wanted to be more capable because my life is always vibrating at its highest when I'm helping create opportunity for other people. Like for me, if the moment that I'm not creating opportunity for other people, I feel very depleted. Um, and that's why the seminars are so important to me. And so if I don't have those things is one thing, but if, if I'm called upon and I can't help, that's the most devastating thing on the planet to me. Like if you called me up and was like, Jay or like, Tony, I need your help. I will always help. Um, but if I couldn't help, that, was, that would just crush me. So my whole life is like trying to make myself as available as possible. Not cause like I want to be a servant to other people, but my, I believe that my, my place in life is to help and create opportunity for others. And so my, my duty is to spend
0: all of my time not being asked to help,
1: figuring out to be, how to be as present as possible so I can when I'm called on. Uh,
0: I like it. And I mean, we've not really touched upon it, but Chuck did quite a bit, you know, affiliate. it. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd assume for a lot of the box owners out there that you're helping, it's like, hey, you got to get yourself organized first. Bef- yeah. You know, and, and work on a lot of these things before you just start trying to do, you know, all these other like, let's get yourself situated. Let's get some systems in place. Let's, let's, let's figure out how we can optimize your box. For so, sure. so you can pull yourself out a little bit or else you're going to be the box owner that's yeah, I mean 24 company- seven going crazy. The
1: calling of the affiliate owner, they're very unique. Nobody really signs up to do this. Like, I think everybody looks at it and they're like, oh, that dude has got to be like, the, the, he's got to have the best job on the planet. But to take the action and to, to make the investment and to sign up to do it, you're called at a different level than other people are called. And I think that's why I've always liked affiliate owners so much because they're a rare breed of human. Like, and so for me, they needed to be protected. And by protected, I didn't mean like, like defend them. It was more so get them to understand that you didn't buy yourself a life sentence to this this servitude of, of my wife's to... my
0: wife's about to interrupt us go ahead. So okay. one second tony you're doing something great what's up babe <laughs> i i can't hear you i finished them just this morning <clears throat> i finished something and didn't it to... see speaking of optimizing tony i don't think you can hack a wife though so you're on your own on that one uh, but i could have i could have had something in place i finished something and She's looking yeah. for it. Anyway. Only
1: if it happens a few times. Like, if that's a consistent thing, then maybe it's worth innovating. But if it's happening once or
0: twice, she needs you. So you got to be. Me, there. me getting yelled at is a consistent thing. Yes. I believe so. that. Uh, <laughs> that would
1: but yeah, so that's for me, like, most affiliate owners believe they have this, they, they assume this identity of suffering. And they believe that, like, affiliate ownership is this level of, like, indentured servitude. And I'm like, guys, listen, the point of being in business is to create this freedom because what you need to be able to do is help and called upon and they just don't understand that and they don't understand the, the fundamental difference between buying themselves a job and, and being an entrepreneur and so a lot of what happens with Fit affiliate is that we never ever give anybody advice uh, and instead we just listen to their problems and help them solve their own problems because it, as Chuck probably said to you, uh, you know, Fit affiliate was built out of a necessity of one. We wanted to stop the bottom feeders from preying on, on people who were desperate to try to fix their business and tell them to, to just follow this, this template and it would work. But because as a coach, you and I both know that for me to boldly assume that I have the solution to your problem without knowing your root would be very arrogant. Right? Like I can probably assume what, would be, what will, will help you, but I need to figure out why you got yourself there in the first place. Like I need to know what the root pathology is of your movement pattern before I can ever assume that just telling you to push your knees out is going to help. Right. So, and I think that people don't understand that. And so we wanted to apply the same principles of coaching and fitness to these affiliate owners because everybody else was telling them that they needed to like learn all these MBA level suites that were like marketing. I was like, listen, they're not marketing people. And the beauty of being in business, the best part about being in business is that when you realize you're bad at something, you get to hire for it. Period. Like, stop trying to learn everything. By learning it, you're just going to stop doing what you're good at, which is helping other people. So, your job is to help other people. Let's find other people to do the other stuff for you. So, that's all we do. Little by little, we just create freedom for all those humans. And all that really is is putting systems in place, call it hacking, whatever you want. um, But we just quantify everything, measure everything. And then, simply put, we just ask everybody why over and over and over again. Because affiliate owners know what they want, they just need to be reminded. They they, they know what they're doing. They just need to be held accountable because as somebody who is your own boss for the first time, sometimes you're like, I know what I need to do. I think I'm going to take a nap instead, right? And so every week they have to answer to us and, and it's been very, very, very successful for them, but they're in the right spot and they just need to be protected because I do believe that they are the solution to the world's most vaccine problem, right? And so if we get rid of affiliates, the micro gyms aren't going to hack it crossfit affiliates are what's going to change the planet and so but they're not going to change the planet if they don't take a paycheck and so they need oh. to make a lot yeah. of because 30 grand a year is not a paycheck like that's not what they should be making for the level of work and value and service they provide the world like i mean you're a six-figure you know executive for the most part so like let's get you to that level and they're like and it's hilarious when you meet with them I'm like all right tell me about your dreams and they're like I would just, you know, I'd be happy if I made a couple of bucks a month. I'm like you are literally solving and saving lives. Like you are worth more than a couple of dollars. And it's hilarious cuz none of them think that they are cuz they just had such abusive relationships. But it's fun to give them back and then after like 3 or 4 months they're like, "All right, I've got a business now." And they become entrepreneurs and then it becomes a lot more fun.
0: Well, you're doing a great job of that and and you know, it trickles down and I know I've learned a lot about just things I can be doing for optimizing myself. And I think it's really important as, as a former affiliate owner, you're right. If you're not, you know, whether you call it hacking or optimizing and like Jocko says, discipline equals freedom. And without that discipline, you just go take a nap every day. You're you're You are going to be that box owner. That's making $30,000 a year.
1: I mean, maybe napping is a thing you want to do, and that's fine, right? But as long as the rest of your your day that you don't want to have to think about is set up to make sure that the minimum happens, then you're fine, right? So, like, if I know that all of my stuff is done, and when I want to take a nap, I get to take a nap. But if I, my day isn't rigid and my day is not structured, when the time comes that I want to take a nap, I know that I have all these other things to do. I don't get to take a nap. And so, for me, that's all it comes down to. Like, when I want to be able to go get on a plane, go here, go do that, or if I'm called on, I need to be able to show up. So when you call me and you're like, dude, I need help, like I'll drop whatever I'm doing to help you, but I can't. And I think that's the most important thing because that's what lets me show up as a better human, as a better friend, as a better business owner, as a better mentor, as a better coach. um, In all of those times when I felt like I didn't show up and I couldn't be that coach and I couldn't be that person or I wasn't present teaching my seminar or I wasn't able to focus on my class, or I wasn't able to like do, you know, be in the moment with something was because shit that should have been under control, it doesn't even matter, was just running crazy. Right? Like all that stuff can be systemized. And I think people confuse, you know, consistency with like oppressiveness. And it's not. It's just a matter of just having some degree of a routine. Routine is the enemy. We all know that. But like routine and the rest of the stuff matters.
0: Puppy. I see Rocky. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well. Speaking of, let me go handle. She's coming yeah, back go to do yell at you, me. Bro. Um, she's coming back to yell at me. I need to <laughs> optimize my wife. It's going to take some time. Do not
1: but, that on me. I did not tell you to optimize your wife. So, Roz, that was not my fault. If you heard that, it's not me. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. no, I'm glad I got to, I got to be on the call. Sorry it took me so long to get on here. But um, it's an open door now that we've figured this out. We can get back on whenever you need me.
0: Yeah, and for those interested in finding out more about you, they can check you out on fitfiliate right yep add social media yep. Yep. and then what about you personally maybe they're just like hey this guy sounds like a cool guy i mean my
1: instagram is relatively boring i don't post a lot of coaching stuff because for me it's just photography but it's at p2 tony p letter p two
0: and that's then right YouTube. yeah sounds good well tony always a pleasure get out of I'll rochester be in, um,
1: i'll be in boulder in november so oh are you yeah
0: oh okay cool
1: is coming out so when you said me, that i'm
0: like that's not for a long time but wait that's like in like a
1: couple months the elections in two months i just realized that yesterday when yeah I, there's a- i was like wait that seems a little bit late not that i care about politics that much but yes yeah, so i'm coming out in november i told nicole i'd come out and hang out so I told tasha I'd come out and hang out so we should definitely get dinner or something when I'm out.
0: hundred percent. We'll get some beef and broccoli with a little of the no, garlic. Well, once, little I garlic. Of
1: plane, <laughs> once I yell the word vacation, all bets are off. All the routines go out the window and all the food goes in my mouth.
0: All right. Well, then I'll find some good spots out here. Maybe we'll hit the get some outdoor activity and we'll get a workout in. I love it. I'll see you then. Awesome, dude. Thanks for having me, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank, thank you. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. If you haven't already, do us a favor, head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com, or send us a DM over on Instagram, at besthouroftheirday. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Best hour of their day.